Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode, we're talking about the power of intentionality and how you can build those raving fans without breaking the bank and spending lots of money. It's actually incredibly cheap to stand out. We're going to be talking about all of that and more on today's episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Blake, and I run this nice little um, relaxed adventure of what it means to grow your business. Uh, don't know where you are right now. What you're doing is listening to the podcast. Hopefully you are sipping a nice, comfy cup of coffee. Maybe you're driving to a business meeting and uh, maybe you're just relaxing and enjoying your day. Whatever you're doing. I'm excited to bring you some advice today, some good advice today that hopefully will help you grow your business and get more customers and more importantly, also have some happier employees. Today's episode, I've been thinking about something that is honestly just driving me crazy. And it's this simple concept that in order to stand out for your customers, in order to stand out with your employees, in order to be a business that just stands out, I want to correct a misconception that some people often have, which is that it is expensive to stand out. This is not true at all. This could not be farther from the truth. The secret to standing out is not expensive. The secret to standing out is actually intentionality. Intentionality is the way that you stand out with your customers and your employees. The reason I'm talking about this is because I recently went, went with a friend of mine to, um, he's, uh, we, we were grabbing lunch at a local burger place. And what ended up happening was um, we ordered our burgers and he got burgers and fries. I got burgers and fries, just your typical um, delicious burger combo meal. And we sit down. They ask if we wanted any sauces with our, our meal. And we both said, hey, yeah, ketchup's fine. It's one of those places where you don't, um, it's not quite fast food where you don't uh, go to like a little kiosk and grab your ketchup. But, which by the way, I don't know if they still do that with COVID, but I remember, you know, you go to like the little kiosk and you, they'd have like the little, um, br uh, what's it? Um, not cotton. That'd be weird. <laughs> it's like the little paper cups that you pump the, the chocolate, the, the chocolate. What am I talking about? The ketchup into. And sorry, I'm getting annoyed at myself because now that I'm telling this story, I'm like, it's like, I'm all over the place here. But so, you know, you would get the paper cups and you would pump it with ketchup and, um, you know, you have to get two or three, right? Uh, and then they started doing, I think if you go to Chick-fil-A, they have the actual like portable ketchup pods that you can like peel back and like dunk your chicken nugget into. 
Uh, I got to tell you, the innovation of just the advancement of the fast food condiment industry, uh, I got to appreciate it. It's pretty cool. But between those two options, you have those little um, like plastic sealed ketchup packets that get like wrinkled and shriveled up or what what have you. But, you know, they're, they're about the length of maybe your finger. And you would obviously, I mean, I don't know how much they cost to make, but you would get like a handful of these, right? When you go to like a fast food place. And I don't know about you guys, but like everyone has their process when they eat fast food. Personally, whenever I would have this kind of situation where you would get like the pile of like the ketchup packets, um, I like to have all of my meal ready for me to dig into uh, just so I can eat it. And so I don't want to have to like eat and then like get more ketchup ready and you know, all this to say, you guys probably don't care about like my fast food dining habits, but you know, I would, I would open up a corner of that plastic thing. And I do this for like maybe four or five of them. And I would just make like a big pile of ketchup, like on the, on the paper, um, just so I can eat my meal. All this to say, we each order our burgers and fries. We sit down, they bring it out and what they give us are, we each get one packet of ketchup of that little tiny plastic ketchup. And the person, you know, sets it down and, um, which by the way, in the service industry, in the fast food industry, um, having been a server myself, this is always a great moment to gauge if your customers are enjoying themselves. Would have been a great time for the employee to say, hey, can I get you guys anything else? Hey, is everything, do you have everything you need? Can I help you with anything else? This doesn't happen. The person just kind of dumps it and goes, um, which is fine. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me that much. But so they walk away and I look down and I see me and my friend, we each on our tray have one ketchup packet. And I hold it up and I smile and I look at them and I say, wow, <laughs> they're, they're really, they must be really cutting back on costs, right? I mean, they're really, um, they really want this piece of ketchup, this one packet to go a long way, right? Uh, which I don't know y'all's sauce game when it comes to fast food, but for me, I like I like having enough sauce, right? It's like when you go to Chick-fil-A and they say, you know, do you want two Chick-fil-A sauces or three? Uh, it would blow my mind, the person who says, no, I'll have just one. I mean, you got to have your sauce, right? Well, so we each get this one piece of ketchup and, you know, naturally I go back and I say, hey, can we just get a few more ketchups? And this is where I got weird, actually. I said, can I get just a few more ketchups? And the person was like, uh, yeah, sure. And with two hands, he picks up a pile of ketchup. Like it's it's in, like both his hands are like struggling to hold all of these ketchup packets. And he hands it to me. I'm like, you know, holding it against my chest to try to make sure that it doesn't fall on the floor. And I'm like, oh, uh, oh wow, okay. And I take it back. And now my friend's like, uh, wow, that's... Now we have too much ketchup. So I just set it on the side and we each take a couple more from this big pile. And uh, employees walking by, and actually at the end of our meal, the employee did stop and say, a different employee said, hey, how was everything? Can I take your trash for you? And we were like, no, like we can get our own trash, no big deal. But I said, hey, are you allowed to take all this ketchup back? Because we don't want to waste it. And he said, no, we're, we're not allowed to take it. Sorry, you'll have to throw it away. And I was like, oh, well, that's... That's a bummer. Okay. Cause I like to waste food. But so it got us on this conversation that I was talking to my friend. I was like, man, what a weird interaction with this establishment's ketchup. Now the meal was great. 
we enjoyed it. We had a good time. The place was clean, all this other stuff. It's really not even about that restaurant, but it got us talking about this concept of customer service and like, how do you really wow a customer? A lot of times, by the way, and this was in my conversation with him, I've actually been helping business owners reword how they talk about customer service. And really what I've been doing is helping educate business owners to not even think about it as customer service anymore, to really just work customer service out of your vocabulary. The reason for this is because a lot of times when I talk with business owners, when they say customer service and I ask, well, what do you mean by you know customer service? Or actually just expanding the story when I say, why do people buy from you? And they say, well, we have great customer service. I usually say, well, what does that mean? Like what, what is great customer service? More often than not, what I end up hearing is, uh, well, we, you know, we, we treat our customers like family. We, um, you know, we listen to what they ask us for. We talk to them. Um, and these are all fine things, but I find myself coming back again and again to being like, yeah, well, these things are kind of expected everywhere. Like not, screaming at a customer, not yelling at a customer. Like these are things that we just kind of all know not to do, even with really difficult customers. And we all, we all occasionally will get that difficult customer. We all know the importance of putting on a smiling face. And no matter how small a complaint is versus how big it is in their mind, we know to uh, validate what they're saying and say, yeah, okay, we can fix that. I get it. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, and to really defuse an intense situation even. And so I've, I've found people again and again coming back to this concept of customer service being like, oh yeah, customer service is so important, it's so important, it's so great. And it is, it is great, it is important. But I've been trying to educate business owners to instead of thinking of it as customer service, thinking of it as the customer experience. And this is something that I've, the reason I've mentioned Chick-fil-A already in this story is because this is actually something that Chick-fil-A does really well. I don't know if you know this, but part of like their R&D um, training process, like how they're always innovating is, I mean, they have actual like test um, drive-throughs uh, that they actually will, will, okay, what's it like for someone to go through this drive-through? What does it feel? Now, here's what's interesting is everyone's been through a drive-through. So naturally you could have some corporate suit who says, well, we know what a drive-through is like. Like, why does it matter? Like, who cares? But what they actually do is they get in the car, they go through the drive-through and they say, okay, so what was this like? How long did I wait? Um, you know, and if, by the way, if you've been to Chick-fil-A, you notice that a Chick-fil-A person always comes to you and talks to you. They put a face to you rather than having you go through the um, little voice box thing. So what does this feel like? Is it awkward? Is it weird um, for our employees? Is it is it dangerous or strange or you know, what's the whole process like? Because they care about the customer experience. They care so much about the customer experience that you even get the same response every time you say thank you. If you go to any, any Chick-fil-A and you say thank you, the answer is always the semi-branded my pleasure. I say semi-branded because this is something that came about through a concept of, of how do we make our, our customers feel appreciated rather than, you know, what, what marketing can we put on our business? You know, are we going to say, you know, you're welcome for the Chick-fil-A way. 
Um, it was all about this conversation on building a, a great customer experience. This is important because when it comes back to eating my hamburger, this falls into the category of the customer experience. You had someone who didn't think about when someone sits down with their burger and they want to grab their ketchup, um, what is that experience going to be like for them? And how will it affect their willingness to come back at a future date? Now, I'm not swearing off this burger place. For me, it's it was just like a funny experience. But I started thinking to myself, like, why did they not put more ketchup on there? We know in the fast food industry that food costs are increasing. Uh, maybe in some of even your local restaurants, you've seen people, uh, some management posted signs that say, hey, our prices are unfortunately going up. Uh, we have shortages in a variety of different ways. Here's how you can expect to see prices change, things like that. So I understand that there have been, uh, there's been pressures on businesses to um, deal with the rising costs that they're experiencing. And so even Chick-fil-A uh, had a two sauce limit on their um, uh, meals that you ordered from them because of the rising costs of food, uh, which by the way, I have a friend of mine who has a um, very odd obsession with sauces and collecting sauces. And so when I went to Chick-fil-A one day, this would have been probably six months ago, and we got a bunch of food and we got a couple of sauces, uh, he, I was like, oh, it's a bummer. I only got a couple of sauces. And he's like, yeah, I don't have that problem. And he begins to explain to me like his drawer full of all these sauces, which is somewhat, it's like a weird mixture of admirable and also um, very odd. So anyway, all that to say, point being, you know, you, you have a business that's trying to make it, trying to be successful. And so one of the ways that that can happen is, hey, let's limit the number of sauces we give to people. Let's limit our costs, which is fine. I, I understand the decision. I get the decision. The problem, though, is that I'm noticing more and more businesses that try to not just cut corners, but who believe that crafting a meaningful customer experience is something that has to be expensive. And it's really not. It's really not to create, it's not expensive to create a meaningful customer experience. What it what what has to happen is really an appreciation for seeing those opportunities to be intentional with your customers. So like one example of this is, um, and now the podcast has gotten to the point where there's so many people who come on it, it's really challenging to do this still. But early on in the first couple of years of the podcast, whenever a guest would come on, you know, I'd thank them from coming on, what have you. But at the end of the year, I would get custom thank you cards, like not what you get from like an Amazon, like large supply box. I would get custom cards that like a local um, person would sell. I get these custom thank you cards and I would hand write a thank you note to everyone who came on the podcast that year. And I would send it to their home address and just say, and there wasn't any like, um, there was nothing branded in it. You know, I didn't put a business card and hey, if you need anything, give me a call. It was literally just a handwritten, hey, you came on the podcast and I made sure to know what that podcast episode was about. 
So it wasn't like, thanks for coming on the Good Advice Podcast. You gave such great advice. Um, see you later. <laughs> it was like, hey, Stephanie, thank you for coming on the podcast. I so enjoyed your episode on leadership and culture. I think it's going to really make a big difference. Um, you know, here's the next year for you. Uh, something to that effect, like just a, a line in there that lets them know that, you know, I'm not talking about, this isn't like a generic um, thing. It is, you know, an intentional, genuine thank you letter. So I would write this card and I would um, put it in the mail and I'd send it to them. And, and that was something that I did. That was just something that was important to me. And what it cost me was, um, you know, the cost of postage, the cost of getting those cards. It would be probably like maybe a hundred, 200 bucks in a year, which, you know, when you're thinking about a business, being a, a business owner, obviously dropping hundreds of dollars in various places, a hundred dollars here, $200 there, and that can add up. But it was a one-time expense during the year that was a way that I wanted to stand out from, especially if they had been on any other podcasts. A lot of times we miss these opportunities because frankly, we're, we're on one side of things, we're just fearful. If I spend money here, what if I don't have money for tomorrow? The other thing is that I do think we, um, we don't see the forest through the trees. We don't have a long-term perspective on business. You know, we don't have a long-term perspective on expressing, expressing gratitude to our customers, on letting them know how grateful we are that they chose us. Uh, and this is a hard conversation to have with some business owners because many times we believe that we are the only option for them. Like they would be crazy to go anywhere else when in reality, uh, in more cases than not, there are a dozen other options they can choose than you. There are plenty of competitors, uh, some more expensive, some cheaper that they could have gone with. And instead they chose to trust you with their dollar. They chose to trust you as the person who's going to help them with their problem they need solved. And that's something that's worthy of intentional gratitude, I think. I think sometimes, you know, we have a receipt that has an automated, thanks for doing business with us, you know, thanks for choosing good advice. And we think that, I mean, I, I had a Taco Bell receipt in my car the other day and it had something, it was like, thank you for your business on it or something. Um, and I just thought this is this is such a commodity now. This is so automated. It's lost all impact. Um, I've talked about this in, in a couple other settings as well, but you know, I had a a guy, for example, who we were talking about a customer that he was really frustrated with, and he was considering confronting this customer, which I always feel a bit. Um, thrown when someone says, Hey, I want to confront a customer. Cause there's very few things that you should really confront a customer over. Uh, and that is really like fraud. Um, they like financially like stole from you or took advantage of you in some way. Like these are things that I, I mean, it's a very short list that I would ever think I needed to confront a customer and confronts probably too harsh a word. I've had times where I've had to talk to a customer, uh, since, since my work's very collaborative and consultative, there's been times that I have, you know, for example, someone whose employee isn't as successful as they want them to be, and it's their fault as the boss or as the manager. There have been times I've had more honest conversations where I've said, hey, 
Uh, I had one company I worked with where an employee was really toxic. And yes, that person was responsible for their own actions, but toxic in terms of like attitude, like they didn't do it. They didn't hurt anyone. Uh, very poor attitude. Well, in talking to the person and talking to other people, I realized that this person had um, really been pretty abused by the leadership of the business. And so when talking to the boss, it was, hey, you kind of created this person. Like literally you keep sort of ripping this person off over and over again and then asking him to hold on because things are going to get better. And now it's been five years. So now you're annoyed that he's toxic. Well, who wouldn't be, right? So confronting is, is, a, is a pretty harsh word, but I do have like these open, honest conversations. But all this to say, when someone comes to me and says, hey, I need to have a harsh, I need to have an, uh, I need to confront a customer, I'm already kind of thrown because I'm thinking like, what could you possibly need to confront a customer about? And so I'm talking to this guy. He runs a business that sells basically, to make the story very simple, he sells protein powder, okay? So he sells protein powder to uh, people all over the country. And um, all this to say, the average order is something like maybe $40, maybe $50. And someone buys like $200, $300, $400 of protein powder. I mean, it's, it is a notably large order compared to what he typically gets. Like it's unusual for someone to buy like this much, I guess. Um, and so I'm listening to the story. I'm like, okay, that all makes sense. And I said, so what's, what's the thing you need to confront him about? And he says, well, in his latest batch order, this customer emailed me and said, hey, you know those little plastic scoopers? Like if you ever ordered protein powder, you know what I'm talking about. It's those little plastic scoopers that get lost in the protein. Like you have to like shake it to, get to find it. Or um, like it's really like sometimes you swear it's not in there. And so like you're like down to your elbow, like in the powder trying to find it. Well, this person has emailed him and says, hey, you know, the little scoopers, I was wondering if in my next batch order, if you wouldn't mind throwing in an extra um, half dozen or so of them, just because we, it's, it, this person apparently like, I don't know if it was like for his entire apartment or if he like offered it for like gym members or something, but all that to say, he basically was like, the people who we all use this protein powder, we misplaced the scoopers, it's really frustrating, um, was hoping maybe you could just throw some in, we'd really appreciate it. So he tells me this and I think, okay, so what's, what's the problem? And the business owner's like, well, I, I really feel like this customer's taking advantage of me. I really feel like this customer's trying to pull one over me. He's trying to get free scoopers from me. Like I have to spend money for that. Like how dare he? How dare he ask me to spend my own money for his own irresponsibility, his inability to keep track of these things, which they're hard to keep track of already. So he expresses this to me. And it's interesting how much his ego is wrapped up in this. But so I listen and I say, okay, how much does the scooper cost you? Like, How much does it cost you to, because uh, we're not talking about shipping. These are things that you can just throw in with what you're shipping already. But how much does it cost you to, um, like, what does it cost you to get scoopers? And he's like, well, I mean, we get them in bulk and yada. And I was like, okay, well, if you were going to approximate how much is one scooper, what's the cost of it? And he says, I don't know, maybe, maybe 30 cents, you know, definitely under a buck. And so he tells me this and I kind of think, and I'm doing the math. Okay. So basically $2 <laughs> for an employee who's spending $200. 
What the heck's the problem? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? Anyone can see how important it is to be the provider who says, yes, absolutely. And because you're such a great customer, we're going to throw in, uh, we're going to always include extra scoopers. Like this is such an obvious move, right? And yet you have business owners who for whatever reason are simply not able to see the importance of that customer experience, not able to see the importance of being intentional with their customers. And so what ends up happening is, oh, I don't know when the next sale is going to come in. So I have to cut costs, you know, I have to, or, you know, or even like, which would be criminal, you know, uh, a seller saying, well, now if you want scoopers, they're not included. They cost, you know, an extra $1 on your order. I mean, stuff like that, which would drive your customers crazy. You know, these are things that are often missed in business. Uh, and this isn't, by the way, just with customers. This is even for people who manage employees. It's always wild to me how business owners will look for ways to, I don't want to say take advantage of their employees, but they're unwilling to give leeway with their customers. And then what ends up happening or with their customers, with their employees, and it ends up costing them more overall. So like one example of this would be something like, um, uh, so I saw, I, I saw a story of a business that started charging their customers for the coffee in the break room. And so what ended up happening was um, it was like the little uh, coffee, like the Keurig pods and the business was not doing well. And they said, hey, if you want coffee, uh, you have to pay for it. Uh, still grab a pod, but you need to put a couple of bucks into like the basket. I don't, I don't know how it worked, but basically that's what it was. Well, one of the employees saw this and was like, okay, well, um, I'll just bring my own pods from, from home. It's no big deal. So the employee brought their own pods and had put the pod in and a manager walks by and sees this happening, which I don't know how snooty a manager would have to be to notice <laughs> that something like, you know, you're a micromanager when someone getting themselves coffee sets off a red flag to you. But so this manager, for whatever reason, is walking by the broker room, sees this happening and says, whoa, whoa hang on. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on here? And the boy's like, uh, I'm just getting a cup of coffee. And the manager's like, you're stealing from us. And the employee's like, uh, well, no, this is my own Keurig. I brought it from home. We're, I'm, I'm not stealing. I, and the manager says, yeah, I see that it's your own. Um, oh, oh, and I actually remember the detail. Like all of the coffee, the Keurigs in the office were like a red label and his was like a blue label. And so the manager was like, yeah, I see that it's not our coffee, but you're stealing company property. You're stealing our water. That's our water. And the employee is kind of like, you know, it's like one of those awkward moments where someone's like serious with you, but you're like not sure if you're getting, it's like, where's Ashton Kutcher? Like, are you getting punked right now? And so the employee is like, uh, oh, stealing the, the company's water. Well, really? Like, am I just for the Keurig? And the employee's like, yeah, you're, st I, I, in fact, I'm going to write you up for this. And the, the manager actually wrote up the employee for stealing company property. Like, think about how insane this is over water in the reservoir tank on the Keurig maker. In a time where the great resignation is so commonly talked about, for an, for an employer to 
caused such a scuffle over something so meaningless. How much do you think that employee is, is considering going somewhere else now? Do you think that employee is now going back to their desk as a happy, engaged employee thinking, wow, this company's done so much for me. Man, I really want to get after it today. Man, I really want to make a difference here at this business. Man, I really want to make a difference for my customers. Like, do you really think that person's doing that? No, that person probably went back to their desk. They opened indeed.com and they made sure their resume was up to date because who wants to work for someone like that? Who's frankly psychotic. And even when it's not crazy like this, I saw a news story. Uh, this is literally, let me just pull this up here. Um, this is literally, let me find it here. Let me find it. And in typical fashion, I don't have it in front of me. Okay, here we go. So uh, someone posted on social media that a competitor business was poaching employees from their business. This person's an employee. It's one of the employees. And this person had received an offer for 20% higher of an hourly wage. So, um, you know, if they're making 15 an hour, uh, this competitor offered 18 an hour, um, which can be significant by the way, if you're working a 40 hour week. So just for those who are listening, who whatever reason, maybe you're on a salary and you don't do numbers in your head, who knows? So this person was offered $18 an hour elsewhere. Um, and, uh, in fact, so many employees were offered this offer at a competitor that manage, management got wind of this. And so what should management do, right? I mean, if you're the manager, if the owner of the business, what should happen? Now, there's a lot of factors in this. Um, how credible is this competitor business? Do they have a bad reputation? Are they doing okay? Or are they a blossoming business that now you should be worried about? I mean, I had a friend of mine who was losing hourly employees to another really great business and it was overpay. And he was like, what do I do? And I was like, I think you know what you got to do. You got to pay them. <laughs> you got to pay, you got to pay your people, right? So in this situation, management finds out about this competitor company offering 20% higher wages. And so what they do is they decide, okay, we're going to do a breakfast for our employees to let them know how much we appreciate them. And so the person posting on social media, you know, the headline is that we were offered 20% um, higher wages elsewhere. Here's how management showed us how much they appreciated us. And it's a picture of a person standing in front of this, you know, fluorescent light bulb break room with um, small paper coffee cups and um, four or five of those little breakfast miniature boxes that you can get like in a value pack at like a local Walmart. And there's a sign and marker that says, we seriously appreciate you. Seriously spelled with cereal, um, E S Lee. <laughs> so someone, you know, who was really proud of themselves for being so clever with their cereal pun. But you know, there wasn't really any organization. This picture, the boxes were kind of just thrown on there. Um, but I kind of laughed when I saw this. I thought, wow, um, now you've probably convinced people who were on the fence to probably leave and go to that business. Because when you think about it, these cereal boxes, they cost under a dollar each. Like these little tiny cereal boxes. And so you buy six or seven of them. Maybe you have six or seven employees and you think, yeah, everyone's going to eat one. And so for under $10, like the cost of milk, 
You're thinking that, yes, I did it. I made a difference. I showed my employees I cared about them. When really, because you tried to cut corners and be cheap, you've convinced them of the value that they lack in your eyes and where you tried to save money, now you're going to be spending money because the cost to replace someone is typically someone's entire annual salary uh, times 1.5. So you'll pay one and a half times of what someone costs usually just to replace someone's position. It's like a conversation I had with the business during COVID where their employees were really stressed out. Um, they were essential employees. They were really feel, feeling taken advantage of. And my message to the managers was, hey, you have to do everything you can to keep these people. Like you have to do whatever it takes to let them know they're valued and to let them know that they are a priority. Because if nothing else, it's going to cost you infinitely more to replace all these people. It's going to be infinitely more expensive to replace them. So take care of them. Take care of them and let them know that they are not just a cog in the machine of your business, but they are a vital, integral part to what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not a hard concept, but it does take saying no to some profits in your pocket and recognizing the value of happy, engaged employees. It's about playing the long game. It's about understanding the long game. You know, and it's, it's, it's I think about, uh, we were visiting in Germany. I did a podcast episode on this. This would have been a couple of years back. But um, I think it was Bosch, a German company. I don't remember, honestly, but uh, the family we were staying with, they worked, they had worked in this business for forever. Major business. I mean, mega, mega, mega big business. And we were talking about the founder of the business who had um, the business had really grown during uh, World War II in kind of like this. Um, well, I, I, I'm going to misremember the story, so I don't want to butcher it, actually. But all this to say, the owner was a really great person, really was doing a lot to try to protect people, help people. And apparently in, in some of his um, stories about his business after the fact, like later in the 60s, 70s, 80s, or what have you, as the business had become a mega million business, this is someone who said, I am rich today, um, not because my employees took care of me, but because I took care of them. It's because I gave them so much that in turn made me wealthy. And he didn't mean like, wow, I'm wealthy with good feelings. I feel good about myself. He meant literal wealth. I am wealthy because I took care of my people, which means they didn't quit, which means they wanted to do a good job, which means they wanted to make my customers happy. They wanted to do their best because I took care of them. A lot of times we think that employees will work for us and that they will have this pure, motivated sense of duty towards us. And people just aren't that way. They just aren't. And so if you want people to do well, you got to pay them well and you got to take care of them. And that means not always having the cheapest perspective on how do I spend as little as possible to get the biggest outcome. It doesn't work in today's work economy anymore. You know, I have um, a few different groups of customers in my business. Uh, and when I think about the customer experience, uh, we had a guy come on, by the way, who um, he runs Apricot Lane Boutiques. They're all over the country, an amazing boutique store. 
but he was on the podcast. He gave this great line that was basically, hey, instead of thinking about how you can spend less time with each customer, what if you flip that on its head and instead you think about how do I spend more time with that customer? How do I, how do I give more to them rather than thinking of have I hit my minimum quota for you know, spending time on them, even spending money on them? And so for me, for example, you know, I have customers in my mind who, you know, they fall in different bands of like um, the revenue they bring to business, like probably like the smallest customer is going to spend probably about a thousand dollars with me. Um, and then maybe like a mid-sized business or a mid-sized customer, excuse me, it may actually still be a small business. A mid-sized customer is going to spend maybe three to five thousand dollars. And then those premium customers are going to spend seven, eight, nine thousand dollars. Um, it looks like I'm going to have a twenty thousand dollar customer uh, this next month, which is pretty incredible, but is incredibly rare also. And all is to say, the more your customers spend on you, the bigger and better that customer's experience really needs to be. There needs to be a deep appreciation for their dollar being spent on you. And aside from just you solving their product or service, they should have a sense of that gratitude. And it's, it doesn't have to be something flowery, flowery and fluffy. Like you don't have to like film yourself in tears, you know, gushing over how much you are thankful for their business. But little ways to stand out, little appreciations, they can go a long way. You know, one of those customers for me, it was a smaller company. Um, it was like a $3,000 sale. And I was meeting uh, their business for breakfast. It was about five employees. And I said, hey, guys, it's, we're meeting at 7 a.m. Breakfast is on me. And I didn't bring the little cereal boxes. I brought Chick-fil-A and I brought good coffee. And it wasn't like, hey, I brought this because I'm so thankful. Please do business with me in the future. It was, hey, thanks for being here so early. Like, yeah, this is the time we all agreed on. But hey, thanks for being here. And not only did I just bring Chick-fil-A, I contacted every person who was going to be there. And I said, hey, just real quick, any dietary issues I need to know about? Um, any dietary restrictions? Um, in case someone was going to be like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm vegan. Well, then I don't want to bring Chick-fil-A. <laughs> or I want to have something as an option for that person and not like the angel. What's it What's it called? The, um, the passion fruit or whatever it is, the angel fruit. I'm butchering. I don't remember. But like the fruit that doesn't like taste like anything. And I'm sure it's really cheap. So they always throw it in. But I want to bring that person something as a very tiny, hey, I'm glad you're here. It's not expensive. A Chick-fil-A uh, plate, like a little platter with little chicken biscuits, it's going to run you 20 bucks. Now you're spending 10 bucks on milk and little cereal boxes. What's another 10 bucks to let someone know, hey, I appreciate you. And this experience is different from what you're going to get at any of our competitors. That's what you're doing. You're building the brand. You're standing out by letting them know that you are putting intentionality into the experience they're having with you. You're not just taking their money and running. You're not just taking their money and saying, okay, yeah, what did we say? We're, you know, you're looking at a checklist. Okay, we said we were going to do boom, boom, boom. Great. Thank you. We'll see you next year until you need us again. You know, you won't hear from us again until it's time to re-up on your contract. No, it's, it's, I'm going to be sure and be intentional around communicating that you are an individual that I'm serving. And when you do that, then just build your brand. You build raving customers. You build raving fans 
who not only continue to do business with you, but they tell everyone about what it was like working with you. It is cheaper than you think, and it is infinitely more profitable than you may realize. Try it out and give it a go. And in fact, those of you who are already doing this, heck, you listened to this episode and you were like, yeah, duh. (laughs) That's our good advice for today. I appreciate you listening. And hey, if you enjoy the podcast, you've been following the podcast and you want to see more good advice content, I encourage you to check out our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash goodadvice. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee, you can support the podcast and help us to continue to bring our message of good advice to all business owners wherever they are. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. See ya.